Okay. So Melissa and I have been blessed. Uh, we have, uh, literally, we have, we have spiritual sons who are spread out all over the world. And they have blessed us and they have honored us and they have loved us uh, incredibly. Uh, but we have one son. One son. And he has blessed us and loved us and honored us more than all the others. And I, I couldn't be prouder of him today uh, as he comes to preach. Uh, one last time at Riverstone before they go off, he and Hannah, to Nashville uh, to be a blessing to the people there. And so I ask you to join me as we welcome Mason uh, to the Riverstone pulpit. pray blessing on Mason. I pray, Holy Spirit, fill him. Uh, let your words flow from him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I, uh, I don't really know where to begin, to be honest. Maybe you should hear a little bit about what we're going to do in Nashville. That'll help break the ice. So um, uh, about six months ago, I got a phone call from the senior pastor at a church who dad actually mentored uh, when he was at the UGA Wesley Foundation. And he asked me um, if I would be interested in helping them start a college movement in Nashville. And, um, you know, I, I kind of was like, this sounds crazy, but I mean, but but Riverstone. And then a couple of conversations later and it, and it transitioned into, hey, actually, I'd really like it if you wanted to come on staff as our Nashville community pastor. And um, uh, Hannah and I both were kind of blown away and, and, it, and it felt like God and we had what felt like impossible. Yeah, impossible is the right word. It seems like maybe something bigger than impossible. Uh, prophetic words from many of you in this room. Uh, you didn't even know what you were saying, uh, but we knew exactly what you were saying because God was speaking through you um, and then some others from our Transformation Network. And, um, and we knew that as hard as it might be that God was calling us out of Riverstone and calling us to move and uproot our family and go to Nashville. And we are believing that God has incredible things in store. So I just wanna say thank you. Thank you so much for praying. Thank you so much for being wildly prophetic and, um, and speaking into our lives uh, this last six months as we have been uh, wrestling with this decision and, and really believing God for more. So thank you. Uh, but today, I, uh, I'm not gonna talk a whole lot about uh, what's coming in the future. I'm actually gonna talk about, a lot about the past, right? I, uh, I walked into dad's office last week and uh, I told him, I was like, I'm preaching my last sermon at Riverstone. I was like, there's not a topic in the world that feels right. Like nothing feels right. I told him, I said, all I really wanna do is like run around the room and hug 
every single person. So if you would all line up, right? I'm just kidding. Um, but I did. I was like, I was like, I don't like, ah, like I, I know like we need fruit. I know we need, we need life. We need, we need things to chew on and, and to grow from. And so uh, as I was sitting with him, he, he spoke wisdom into my life as he always does. And um, we came up with a solution. I'm going to tell you about my last 20 years at Riverstone. I'm going to tell you about all that I am grateful for that you as a family have instilled in me and have shaped in me and have molded in me so that hopefully when you see things happening in Nashville, you can say, I'm a part of that. And hopefully that when you walk in the doors of this place, you can say, this is, this is a place where my children can be molded and shaped. So Jesus, I ask right now, Lord, that as I tell these stories and, and we walk through this together, um, Lord, that you would be honored and you would be glorified. God, I ask that you would, you would give me the strength just to get through it <laughs> and that we would all be better because of it. In your name I pray, amen. So 1999, right? 1999, dad gets a call and uh, he's gonna come on as one of the pastors and, and then the senior pastor here at Riverstone. It was called another name at the time, but he was, there were three things, three big things that he was looking for that they were calling and asking for, for him to come and do. And he had them in his mind. And he's like, if it's this, this, and this, then we'll go. But if it's not, then God's not calling us. And then it was, it was this, this, and this. And it was mind boggling. And so that's why our family moved. But I gotta be honest, for me, it was kids. I was moving because kids. You see, I grew up in Athens, Georgia, and it's a college town. And so there wasn't really anyone my age. And uh, all I knew as to like who were cool kids was college students. And if you've met any of ours, you know, they're just really goofy. And so I, um, <laughs> I and, and I've given my life to that now. So, um, so, when we moved, I was, I was so excited about this idea of a youth group, right? And then I find out that my uncle, Bill Tanner, who's here today, is going to be the youth pastor alongside Mark Fritchman, who I knew as well. And I was like, there's going to be kids my age, and they're going to love Jesus, and this is going to be wild. But what I didn't realize is that I was going to be coming to Cobb County, to Riverstone, to do this whole youth thing right in the middle of what is probably the most awful season of anybody's life. And if this wasn't bad for you, then God has shined on you with grace and favor like you never understand. And I hope that one day you get a glimpse into what God did for you. And that season is called middle school, <laughs> right? So I had, grown, I, I had been, I'd gone to the school in Athens that my mom had taught at, and then I was homeschooled, and it was itty-bitty little school, and uh, nobody lived anywhere near us, and then, and then I homeschooled, and so like, I was like the second smartest kid in my class because my sister was in there too. And so, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so we move here, and I'm so excited and all this stuff, and I go to youth group for the first time, and I'm like, so nervous, like, like, like first date nervous. And I'm like, oh man, oh man, oh man. What if nobody likes me, blah, 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 all this stuff. And, uh, and I walk in and immediately you wrapped your arms around me. You loved me. You took care of me. And I was bold. And I went to my middle school for the first time, first day of school. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like I'm going to evangelize this whole school and everybody is going to fall in love with Jesus and my entire school, which felt like a college to me because it was 
massive. My entire middle school is going to give their lives to Jesus and they're going to start coming to my youth group because like that's the thing. And um, I got made fun of and I got called horrendous names and I got picked on and judged and bullied and I watched awful things happen as a middle schooler that I was like, I have no idea how to reconcile these things. And I came back to youth and Bill and Mark and my friends in my, in my small group, Patrick Kentrell, Terry's son, wrapped their arms around me and said, it's okay, you're just weird. It's fine. <laughs> we love you. It's gonna be okay. It happened to us too, you know, kind of thing. And uh, I'll never forget Brad Willoughby praying for me during this season and saying, <laughs> I know it's family Sunday. I'm gonna say it anyway because I'm gone after this. So he said, he, he's praying and he's like, listen, middle school sucks. And I was like, you're right. You are so right. Like, this is so good. You're, you're dead on. And, uh, and he prayed and, and there was like this sense of, you know what? I can go through hard things because I've got a good family. And prayer was always the root of it. Prayer was always the root of it. I went, ended up going to high school and, and we got a new youth pastor at the time. Bill got this incredible job with Glory House and then Mark ended up going and pastoring a church uh, in St. Simon's Island and, and there was all this craziness going on and we got this new youth pastor named Corey Hallett. And Corey was like my big brother. He came in and was like, hey, I need to know what to do. And I was like, I'm your guy. I'm a senior in high school by now. I've been in the youth group. I've lived that life. I've, I've watched what happens and I'm like, I've, I've got you, I'm here. And then he introduced me to this book and, and then this, this idea that I had heard about before, but I never really realized what you could go after. This idea was prayer for revival. And this shifted everything for me. I'm going through high school and I'm living life and, I, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm not perfect. Like I'm a high schooler, right? So obviously, and so I, um, I start to get this burning inside of me to see Jesus come back. Like it was, it was deep. It wasn't like, it wasn't just kind of flighty. I, re- I remember I, <laughs> I had a high school relationship at the time and I remember telling this girl, I was like, I don't think you understand. And this is car talk for all you, you know, mechanics out there. I'm like, I feel like my relationship with Jesus just had a turbocharger put on it and she's clueless. I'm like, I'm boosting. Like I'm throwing like 30 PSI. I have no idea what's going on. I'm going so much faster than ever before. And this idea that I, I want Jesus to come back, that I can pray for revival, that I can pray for a people of God to fall in love with him so deeply that every tongue, tribe, and nation might hear the gospel and might give themselves as a representation of, of the coming into the kingdom of God, that we could actually see the day of Christ hastened, right? And it just gripped me. I remember taking uh, Kurt Miller, who's now one of our missionaries uh, overseas in the Middle East, and, and being like, I know we're both on FCA, and I know that FCA meets for 30 minutes on Thursdays before class, but it should be an hour. Like, it is, it is worth it for it to be an hour. And Corey's like, y'all should totally do this. Y'all should totally, y'all should go for it. And everybody fell asleep, but we did it, right? Everybody fell asleep, but we did it. And then we were like, well, what else can we do? Well, let's go anoint all the doors in the school with oil. So I go to dad, and I'm like, hey, dad, we need some anointing oil. He's like, just get some olive oil and pray over it. I'm like, yeah, that's good. That's good. That'll work. That'll work. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's Jesus. It's like, yeah, I get it. All right. And so 
We do it and we go and like some kids slipped and fell and we got, I'm just kidding. I don't remember that happening. Somebody told me that happened. I don't remember that happening. Um, <laughs> but, um, and we would do this and, and, and then we started praying for revival, like the school, like the school, we started praying for revival and our chapel meetings started getting crazy. And, and I like to think that there was a deposit of revival into Dominion Christian High School right then. And you know, I'm, when, I, when I go and I visit and I speak there now, and I see that half of the Dominion population is Riverstone youth, I think, yeah, that's what happened. That's what happened. It's wild that this school is, is, is being overrun. I don't, I don't think it's my fault, but I'm just excited about it. Yeah? So then I graduate high school and, and I've got all these things in my tool belt, like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna play baseball. And you know, like every young athlete thinks, I'm gonna get drafted. You know, like I'm, I'm awesome. You know, like I, I'm gonna be great. And I get uh, to the junior college that I'm gonna play baseball at. And it was horrendous. I, um, I realized that nobody on my team uh, liked Jesus and nobody in my, you know, the whole thing. And uh, I felt alone for the first time since I had moved here. I felt just wildly alone. I remember talking to Corey and I remember talking to my dad and there was this message that my dad wrote me in the front of my Bible when I graduated high school and went off to college. And it said, sin will keep you from this book, but this book will keep you from sin. And then he wrote his favorite sermon in the front of this Bible and, and about pushing out into deeper water. And, and, and so I had like this thing in me. And so when I had no one, I knew that I wasn't alone. When I had no friends and the thing that I had idolized in baseball for so long was taken away from me, I, I knew that I wasn't alone. And then I began, I began to just kind of step away just a little bit more. And a little bit more, and I couldn't find that community that I needed. And I stepped away just a little bit more and a little bit more. And the next thing I know, for about 18 months, I just, I just wandered. And I would look at the pages in that book and I would go, it's obvious that it's sin that's keeping me from reading you. And I knew that there was, there was a breakthrough that could come. I knew that there was a breakthrough that happened and, and it, something broke through for sure. And, and I just wanna say, this was the greatest and most terrible day probably of my life. That when I walked out of my apartment a year into college during the summer, July 2008, and a young man decided that it would be in his best interest to jump me, to put me in a headlock until I passed out and then to hit my head against the curb outside of my apartment. To put me in a state where the doctors felt like I would probably be a vegetable for the rest of my life because of the brain swelling that I was having and their inability to release the pressure. That it was, it was you who prayed. It was you who didn't falter on this idea that prayer heals, that God heals and that he hears our prayers. It was, it was you who gave my mom the strength to come in town, to sit by my bedside 
waiting for my dad to fly back from Scotland. It was you who said, we've got this, Tom. The most important thing is family so that my dad could leave a mission trip that he was leading to fly back to Auburn, Alabama to sit at my bedside. Well, I'm hooked up to tubes and they're trying to figure out a way to cause my brain swelling to go down. It's because of your prayers and the prayers of missionaries you support with with Tammy in India and her 48 orphans that were at her house who stayed home from school for a week and fasted and prayed. It's because of this family's prayers that God moved in my life in that hospital room. That I had a dream while I was there that Jesus walked in the room walked up to me and said, take my hand and follow me. All the beauty and peace that you're looking for in the world is with me. And I woke up healed out of nowhere. If that was it, that would be an amazing story. I would owe you my life, right? I would owe you like my living, right? But I I feel like there's more. So then I know, I don't feel like, I know, I'm 100% sure. Thousand percent sure, that's not even real, but I'm sure of it, right? Because right after that, I felt this call to go into ministry, massive call. Like, it was huge. I'm staying up late at night, I'm praying, I'm reading whole books of the Bible. I'm like, people gotta know, people gotta know, people gotta know. And you did not judge me. You did not go, ah, that last year was like really bad, maybe like, Maybe like you, you should just kind of back row it for a little while, you know. You didn't do that. You didn't ask questions. You loved first. And when I came in, you hugged me and you held me and you prayed for me. And then you released me. I went back to Auburn and I met my wife. Thank you very much for that. You prayed for that as well. And it was, boom, there she was. And uh, it was great. And so I go back to Auburn. I meet this incredible community of people that I, I know for a fact, I was a blessing from, from the fruit of your prayers. And we started walking in the things that you had raised me in here, that you had molded and shaped in my life. We began, we began praying. We began seeking revival on our college campuses. It was nuts. We started passing out pancakes to people in the middle of the night who were drunk coming out of the bars going, going, Jesus loves you. And they're like, why are you giving us pancakes? And we're like, because we want you to sober up. No, but also because <laughs> Jesus loves you and we just want to bless you, right? And it was, it was like wildfire. And then we would, have, we would have worship meetings on Sanford Lawn and, 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 and we would just, students and students and students and all these people are giving their lives to Jesus and we're praying for athletes to be healed and they're getting healed and then we won a national championship and I'm like, God's alive. And like all this stuff is like happening, right? And then Hannah and I get engaged and we look at each other and I said, I think we're supposed to do this for the rest of our lives. And she goes, I think you're right. I said, where are we going to go, babe? And she said, let's go to Kennesaw. And I go, why? (laughs) She goes, because there's a college there that's untapped into. And there's a family there that'll be a covering for us. And something went deep inside me. And I went, we've got, we've got to go. We've got to go. So we, we got engaged and uh, I, I pitched the idea to her dad that, uh, 
I was like, I was like, guys, please, please pray for me. I've got to go pitch this idea to my father-in-law that, or soon-to-be father-in-law, that we're going to get married, we're going to be newlyweds, and I'm not going to have a job. And she's not going to have a job either because we are going to be full-time missionaries raising support in the States, right? Like, like maybe if you're going like to India, like it's possible, but like we're going to do it in the States. And so by a miracle, he was like, this is a great idea. We're so excited. We're going to pray for you guys. I'm like, the spirit of God is on the move. And um, I'm like, we we can't fail now. Like, look, we're in it. And so... um, Hannah and I come here, we meet with some of you. Uh, one of the first couples that we met with uh, were Mark and Susan Norris. And they just texted me a little bit ago and we had some time with them this week. But they texted, or we met with them and, and um, we sat down and we're like, this is what we wanna do. And they're like, oh Lord, all right, this is what you need. And I'm not kidding. They handed us like a stack of books on how to raise resources and, and, and build something that's sustainable uh, in the areas of college ministry. And I had a really, really good example uh, of my dad because I was able to go to, to him for anything. And, and for three years, you prayed and prophesied and sowed into our passion, our heart for college and young adults at Kennesaw. And we went from a room of six people just praying for revival to break out to in three years, to 75 students meeting in our little rental house. And you sowed and you sowed and you sowed and you sowed into our lives in prayer. And it was during that season that God instilled in us through your prayers, his faithfulness. That we had eyes to see what was a trial that God was bringing us through. When when we had no money, And we prayed and prayed and walked over to make a little coffee and said, we're just gonna have breakfast and we're just gonna, we're just gonna pray and, and, and God's going, we're just gonna thank him for the breakthrough. And we walk over to a coffee pot and, and I pulled it out to make coffee. This is like a real story. I pulled it out and an envelope fell from behind the coffee pot. Nobody, nobody keeps anything behind the coffee pot. Envelope fell from behind the coffee pot and Hannah and I, grab this envelope. I'm literally, we're like crying. We're like, what are we doing? God, did you bring us here? And we open this envelope and it has a thousand dollars cash in it. And I go, ah! <laughs> what is going on? And we cried and we weeped and we were like, you're right, God. We have a covering here. We have a family here. You're providing. And it kept happening. Little things kept happening here and there. And it was, it was unbelievable. And then my, probably my favorite part of the whole time, my 20 years with Riverstone was the day in January when we were coming back from the One Thing Conference and I got a phone call. After three years in ministry, after being too big to meet in our house and having to meet in the youth room with 75 college students, to get the phone call from Riverstone saying, hey, we want you to come on staff as a college and young adults pastor. I don't think you, I'm like, I don't think you understand. Like, like that was like my dream. From the moment that all that happened and I felt called to be a pastor, to be in this room ministering the heart of God to people was like my dream. 
just to be on staff, just to support this man's vision was my dream. Like everything that I had was like pushing towards that and to better that and to obey God in that and to look to that. And I pulled up in the parking lot that first day of work and I'm just like, ooh, I was, I was lit, super lit. And I'm sitting in the front seat of the car, like I hadn't been drinking anything, I'd just been praying a lot. And I'm sitting there in the front seat of the car and I'm about to go inside and I, I'm just, I was just weeping. I was weeping loud and hard and I felt like I could feel angels celebrating and cheering all around me. And, and I halfway expected that when I walked in the door that people would be standing there like, you made it, like, way to go, dude. And like giving me hugs and like, like whoa, you know, like, this is awesome, you're here, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm, you know, and I'm freaking out. And even though that, that didn't happen, <laughs> I didn't walk in the door and everybody be like, high five, you know, like, come on, you know, kind of thing. Even though when I walked in, I knew I was a part of something bigger than myself. When I walked in, I, I knew that it was like, it was like the big leagues. And I'm not saying it's the big leagues because, you know, like it's church ministry and you're on staff and all this stuff, but because I had been praying with these men and women on this staff for three years while we lived on support. And I'm telling you right now, they're the real stinking deal. They really do take things to God. They really do sow things in tears. They really do believe the best in the body and they really do go for the greater thing. They don't settle. And I walked in and I was like, okay, let's do this. And the last five years have been the greatest race I could have ever imagined. The greatest. I learned so much. I couldn't even, I couldn't even begin to unpack all that I've learned. And we watched a group of college students that were 75 in a house grow to 150 in a youth room. And lives get changed. I had 30 of the leaders from that dwelling place ministry come to my house, my parents' house last night and just pray over us and worship and play a little pool. And guys, I'm, I'm telling you, I learned something about generational investment from you that I'll never be able to get out of me. It's changed me forever. You see, there's, there's three big things that I see that you've done. You have established a culture of prayer. We talk about the five things that used to be on the wall. And one of those was to be a house of prayer. But you've established a culture that prays first. Because what comes after prayer? Everything, right? We've established a culture that prays first and don't, don't ever lose that. The other thing that you've done is, is you've, you, you are a people who hunt down revival. You long for revival like a deer longs and pants for water because you know it's not a thing, it's a person. And you want him. You want Jesus. You long for Jesus. You invite him into your space. You invite the presence. You long for the presence and you operate out of the presence. Don't stop. 
don't stop. Thank you for teaching me this. And the last thing, and I think is probably your greatest strength, is that you are a generational church. I don't just mean that you have a bunch of ages in a room. You know, we, we, we long to look a certain way, right, in the Instagram culture. You're a generational church because you hand things down. And younger generation, you hand things up. But the older generation gives you in wisdom and understanding. You give passion and revelation. You've really taken to heart this reality that the previous generation's ceiling is the next generation's floor. That where you end, they begin. That I've stood in this place and I've looked at the leaders in, in my in, in dwelling place and, and Hannah and my ministry and, and we've looked at them and gone, our goal is for them to go past us. And you have said the same to us. Our goal is that you would go past us. Our goal is that you would take the revelation that we have and carry it to a mountaintop, to a new mountaintop. I see that now more than ever as we're leaving. As we're moving to Nashville. Because you're not sitting here going, just stay, just stay, just stay. You're saying, go. Do what you were called to do. I implore you to keep doing this for the generation that's coming behind you. Do not stop. We have no idea the destinies that are sitting in this room that God is calling forth, that he's longing to unleash. And I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to put weight on you, but all it takes is one encounter at the right time with somebody of wisdom to shift and mold and shape and launch a young adult's life into their future, into their glory in Jesus. Don't stop. And thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for not giving up on me. I want to tell you something about these young adults, folks. They are the most giving people. When I think about my favorite memory that I've ever had with Dwelling Place, it didn't even happen in a meeting, it happened in a hospital. We had some incredible opportunities. I mean, we went, took a team to Israel. We took a team to Scotland. Uh, we've been on a bunch of different mission trips and we've served the Lord in a lot of different ways and we've seen a lot of people give their lives to Jesus. But this is what I remember as my favorite memory from our, our dwelling place years was the day that my daughter was born. The day that my daughter was born, we didn't know what was going on and she, her heart rate was dropping and we had to do an emergency C-section and we found out later that her umbilical cord was tied in a knot and it was causing uh, her heart rate to drop. But listen, when she was born and we prayed and you declared war in that hospital room, these young adults and, and parents and, and some others, but these young adults stayed up so late and got up so early and came in and prayed and warred and prophesied life over this little girl 
who now is a reality. And when I came out and announced that she was born, they cheered so loud, we almost got kicked out of the hospital. (laughs) That's my favorite day of memory. And then we did it again with Bolton, but (laughs) that second one, man, it's like, So I want to tell you something, young adults. If you're going to miss us, if you're going to miss me, you want to honor us, you want to love us, um, serve. Serve here. Give yourself to this vision. Give all that you've got to see the dreams of the generation ahead of you made a reality so that you can stand on their ceiling, honor them, love them, and grow in the wisdom that they can give you. This is a form of godliness. My hope for all of you, and I I know I'm going long, I don't care. My hope for all of you is that if you've learned one thing from me, and I, I've prayed about this a lot and I've, I've felt this for years, but my hope is that if you've learned one thing from me, I hope it was honor. If it was one thing, I hope it was honor. We live in a culture that dishonors like it's the plague, like they're addicted to dishonoring. We have a culture that longs for skepticism and dishonor, thinks it's hilarious. Listen to me, I I pray, I pray with everything in me that what you've received from me is how to honor. Bible says to honor your father and mother. I cannot think of a better couple to honor than these two right here. telling you they're the real deal I've lived with them for 31 years almost 32 years they are the same at home as they are right here you can honor them you can trust them you can trust the vision of this church it's going places let's pray